Hello, everyone, and welcome to my Papa's podcast, Celebrating the Word with Dean Caldwell Ministries. Hello, everyone. We want to welcome you today to Elevating the Word. This is a Bible study intended to increase your faith, increase your knowledge of God so you can walk closer to the Lord and have a relationship with God like you've never had before. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the podcast today. We're so glad that you've tuned in. Uh, just a few quick announcements. If you'd like to give towards Brother Dean's ministry, there are ways of doing that by clicking the links down in the show notes uh, down in the bottom. You click those links, they'll take you exactly where you need to go. Um, also, there's the email, elevatingtheword at outlook.com. Head over there um, and send your questions, your thoughts, your prayer requests, and we'll get to those as quickly as possible. Um, again, that's elevating the word at outlook.com. And then, of course, there's the YouTube and Facebook pages. Go look him up over there. Like, subscribe, follow at Dean Collin Ministries. And before we kick off the podcast today, uh, Brother Dean's going to be in uh, Pickens, Oklahoma this week. So if you're in the Pickens area, I have no idea what that's close to, but if you're in Pickens, Oklahoma, uh, he's going to be at Pickens Assembly of God, um, and that's going to be Sunday through Tuesday, September 17th through the 19th. So if you're interested in uh, joining them in revival, that's where they're going to be this week that this episode releases. And so anyway, Brother Dean, we're kicking back off in James chapter 4, and I believe we left off at verse 7. Yes, and, we're in verse 7, Rob. Let's kick her off. All right. Um, you know, James is a very interesting book to me because it covers a lot of territory and as we uh, said in the first episode concerning the book of James James is actually a half brother of Jesus Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, you know for some reason or another he and Jude the little book of Jude um, they just house a whole lot of information Mm -hmm. it seems like they have some deep insight to a lot of things uh, that concerns eternity, that concerns mankind. Mm -hmm. So we're looking in James chapter 4, verse number 7, when he said, Submit therefore yourselves to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you, draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh unto you, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, purify your hearts, ye double-minded Let's look at that for a moment of time because that entails a whole lot. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. The word submit means to, uh, means, uh, to offer one's free will. Uh, when we're talking about submitting to God, we're going to have to give back to him what he has given to us, and that is a free will. Now, uh, Rob, I want to deal with something uh, today that I feel like is necessary for us to understand, and that is this. God is a sovereign God. The word sovereignty just simply means God can do what he wants to, when he wants to, without asking anybody. Mm-hmm. That's what a sovereignty actually means. And so God is a sovereign God, whereas we are not. We are not sovereign at all. We are totally dependent. We depend on each other, 
And God set it up so we would depend on him. I realize there's a world of people out there that does not even acknowledge God, nor do they depend on him. But the air you breathe is a gift from God. The life you have is a gift from God. But God's a sovereign God. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you or anybody else. We need him. But God is so loving that he wants to be involved in our life. Yeah. And he created us, created us so he could be involved in our life. So the Bible said, submit yourselves therefore to God. That is offering our free will back to God. Now, let me say this. And getting started in this study today, God has given us a free will. We have a free will to choose. We can choose whether we want to serve God or we can choose whether we don't want to serve God. Of course, if we serve God, the reward is everlasting life. If you don't serve God, the the, the reward is everlasting eternity without God. So Mm -hmm. we're coming to this point today of understanding what it means to give your will to God. Now, let me say, I'm about to say something that's probably going to raise some eyebrows, but we'll prove it with a scripture here in a moment of time. God chooses not to know your free will. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's hard to say because God is all-knowing. And the scripture tells us God is all-knowing, but in God's all-knowing, he has the power to know and not to know. And let's prove that today by the scripture and by the word of God. If you're following me and you'd like to go back with me, go back with me, if you will, to Genesis, the book of Genesis. And you've heard me say dozens of times through the years, Genesis is the book of beginnings and you're going to find every subject in the Bible has roots in, in uh, its beginning in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 22 and verse number 12. Now let me explain this as we're getting into this today. In Genesis 22, this is where God said to Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac to Mount Moriah and offer him there as a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And Abraham resigned to that point and was willing to do that, take his son. Now, I'm sure that Abraham went through a period of making sure this is what God said and Mm -hmm. not just something that he imagined. And so Abraham has resigned his will to that particular point. I'm going to go through with this. And you know the story in Genesis 22. He took Isaac and he took some servants with him from his uh, own uh, household. And they took Isaac and they went to Mount Moriah. When they got there, Isaac carried the wood on his back up the hill Mm -hmm. to the top of the mountain, which was a type of Jesus carrying the cross. Yeah. And they took stones from off the mountain. They built a sacrificial altar there. They laid the wood on the altar. And, and you know, Isaac questioned his father in verse 8. He said, or in verse 7, he said, Dad, we got an altar. We got the wood. We've got fire. But where's the sacrifice? And Abraham 
done a very prophetic thing in verse 8 when he said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb mm-hmm. for a burnt offering. And they both of them went together. But when you get to verse number 12, Abraham had the wood on the altar, and he put Isaac on the altar as the sacrificial lamb, drew his knife back to kill his own son, and look what it said in verse number 12. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know. Wow, what a statement. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou not, uh, what thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. God saying, now I know what's in your heart, which means God did not know what was in Abraham's heart until he went through the test of that. And so, so Abraham passed the test. So why would God do that? Just to, why would he choose not to know that part? Was it like, what, what, what does that benefit for him not to know? Okay. Rob, God got all these angels, billions of angels and heaven, and they are created by God for worship. Mm-hmm. They worshiped the Lord. And of course, you know, we've covered a little bit about uh, Satan's fall and how he took one third of the angels with him. But the angels in general were created for worship of God. And they were created for that purpose. But God made man and put a self will inside of him and turned it over to man. So man would worship him, not because he has to, but because he chooses to. Mm -hmm. And that blesses the heart of God. I mean, if you make something, uh, you know, that just comes up, it's kind of like a a friend situation. Your children you have, they're with you all the time and they love you and you're the best dad in the world to them, you know. But then when a friend comes up, and say, hey, man, I admire you. I appreciate there. There is a inspiration yeah. there because, you know, they don't have to. Yeah. They've done that because they want to. Well, God created man in his image and after his likeness to love him, not because we have to, but because we want to. And when you read verse 12 of Genesis 22, and you know that when God said, now I know, now I know what's in your heart. He let Abraham go all the way down to the test. And mm-hmm. we need to understand this. Sometime the test of faith that we go through is to reveal mm-hmm. how much we love God. Yeah. Because God chooses to know does God chooses not to know that. Now I know there's probably people out there who say, well, now, you know, I there's got to be another explanation. If you believe that God knows your free will, you would have to believe in predestination Mm. that God has sent some people to this earth for the sole purpose of dying and going to hell. And that is totally against the scripture. He said, whosoever will let him come. Mm -hmm. And he said, it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God put a will inside of us. 
And Rob, another so, scripture to back that up. Go ahead with your that, question. That's what I was going to ask. Could you give us another spot in scripture that can, for those who uh, who who need it, um, the some more proof just that God chooses not to know sometimes. Yes, uh, let's uh, go to the book of Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles, a very powerful story here. Now. When you get the light of what we're talking about right now, when you get that light and the light turns on in your mind that God chooses not to know my will, Mm -hmm. then uh, you're going to find a lot of scripture that pertain to this all the way through the word of God. But we're not going to spend this podcast on this. We're just going to put it out there, give some word on it. And you can do your own study after this because it'll stick to you better if you do your own study. Well, in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 32 and verse number 31, this is 2 Chronicles chapter 32 and verse number 31. Now, let me quickly explain this story here. This is the story that King Hezekiah has been told by the prophet Isaiah you're going to die and not live. Set your house in order. Get all your business taken care of. You're going to die, Hezekiah, and not live. And then Isaiah turned and left Hezekiah there, and Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, and he cried out to God, and he reminded God of all the good things that he had done as a king and trying to turn Israel back to God. And before Isaiah got outside the court, God spoke to Isaiah and said, go back and tell Hezekiah, I have added 15 years on to his life. I've added. Now, here's a story also, Rob, that will show you that judgment can be delayed. Hmm. We talk about the judgment of God all the way through the scripture. There's many times God pronounced judgment, but he delayed his judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it finally came because God had made his mind up, this is what it's got to take to purge this. Yeah. But he delayed it for some people in the word of God, for them crying out to God. So here in this scripture, Hezekiah had asked God and uh, for favor, and God had given him favor, and Isaiah was standing there by a sundial, and he said, God, I need a sign of this. And God said that he turned the sundial back. I believe it was 10 degrees back. That means either the earth quit rotating or the sun moved some way or another. I don't know how God done that, but he did. And that is in the scripture. In fact, there's about three different times in the scripture that that, uh, time stood still. One was for Joshua as well. And uh, that was uh, quite an ordeal. The sun didn't move until the war was completed, Mm -hmm. until he had finished. I don't know how much time that was. They figured all that up through through there. But anyway, what I want to get to is verse 31. When the sundial was turned back, verse 31 said, I'm in 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse number 31. How beeth in the business of the ambassador, the prince of Babylon, who was sent to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land. The wonder that was done in the land was the sundial had moved back. Time had went backward instead Mm -hmm. of forward. 
And he said, watch this, the wonder that was done in the land. Now listen to this. God left him to try him that he might know all that's in his heart. Mm -hmm. Wow. What a powerful scripture there. God has put us a will. God has given a will to us that's ours. We can do with it what we want to do. If a man chooses to go through this life and not know God and wind up in eternity without God, that's his choice. Mm -hmm. God never made him do that. God never created him for the purpose of him going to hell. But God has given us a choice of free will. So yeah. let's go back to James chapter 4 and verse number 7. Submit yourself. What's he saying? Submit your free will to God. Then he said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Once you have surrendered your free will to God, that fact is, that is actually talking about to us getting saved, mm -hmm. giving your heart and your life over to Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can get saved yes. is accepting him as your savior and resigning your will to him yeah. and saying, Lord, I give you my life. You're in control of my life. But then he said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The word resist there means to stand against, stand against the devil. I've heard many people talk about fighting the devil and all this, and there is spiritual warfare. But I'm going to tell you, you're outmatched mm -hmm. when you're going to fight the devil. Yeah. You're outmatched concerning that. The only way you're going to win is through Jesus Christ because yeah. he has won the battle. Rob, let's deal with that for a moment of time to help people understand how do how we win over the powers of the darkness of this world. And, uh, you know, in, in the book of Hebrews, um, he gives some insight here to us from the scripture, from the word of God. And, and uh, you know, in, in Hebrews 2, let's go back to Hebrews 2 and verse number 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Here's what that is saying. In the fall of man, man has fallen to a place that's lower, lower than the angels. And Jesus, when he came from heaven to this earth, he was made lower than the angels, for the suffering of death. Yeah. What is he saying? We, we as a creation at this point does not have power over the angels. We're lower than the angels. But one day God said we'll rule over angels. That's in 1 Corinthians 6, 2 and 3. But right now we're lower than the angels. Angels are given to us on assignment from God. So he said this that Jesus made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Jesus came from heaven to this earth lower than the angels. So when we talk about fighting, 
God mm. didn't say we fight the devil. He said resist the devil. Yeah. What does he mean? You stand against him. And when you stand against him, I'll stand for you. Yeah. I've thought about this so many times. You know, uh, you can come up to a intersection and where the traffic light is out. And there'll be a policeman there. And he'll have a, a, sometimes a whistle and he's moving that hand directing traffic. Every vehicle that, that he moves through there could run him down just in an instant. But he represents power and authority. Mm -hmm. He could be overrun, but what's behind him? You take him down, you got the whole police force to deal with. And if that's not enough, they can call the Army, the Navy, the National Guard, and the Marines, and whatever else is Air Force if they need that, because it's a representation of power and authority. So when the scripture said, Resist the devil, and he uh, and he will flee from you. Yeah. He's not telling us to get out there and make this a fight because you're not going to win because you're outmatched. But if you stand against him in the power and the authority of Jesus, you've won before you ever started. Mm. Because behind me represents heaven's best. I've got Father, Son, Holy Ghost backing me up. Yes. And the devil and every demon of hell knows that. So I resist the devil. And when I resist the devil, he's going to flee from me. Then verse 8 said, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh unto mm. you. Draw nigh to God. God promises us to draw near to all those who turn from sin and submit their free will, <coughs> excuse me, to the Lord. And then he said, purify your hearts and, uh, and wash your hands. Now, washing your hands there, it's just simply cleansing your hands is a symbol of innocence and purity. The Jews done that as a symbol of innocence and purity. You remember when Moses, the priest, whoever it was, went in the tabernacle, they mm-hmm. cleansed their hands. It is a symbol of purity. And uh, so he said, uh, call on him in true repentance. God's nearness will bring his presence, his grace, and his blessings, mm-hmm. and his love to us. So here in the word of God, he said, purify uh, your, your hearts you double-minded. The word double-minded there means just simply doubting God. Lay that aside when you're coming to the Lord. And don't worry. The Verse 7 said, resist the devil, he'll flee from you before it ever addresses drawing nigh to God. Mm. When, I st- when I put my faith and trust in this, I'm standing against the devil. I'm going to draw nigh to God, and there's not a thing the devil can do about it. Yeah. Not one thing the devil can do about me trying to draw nigh to God. That's the whole point here. He said in in the word of God, verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Now, I hear a lot of people make this statement. Oh God, I want you to humble me, humble me. Watch this. He said, humble yourselves. Mm -hmm. Most of the time in the scripture that humble is talking about 
He is followed up by doing it ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's not laid in the hand of God for me to humble myself. I don't have to humble myself, but I humble myself by choice. Here's the free will again. I'm going to humble myself by choice. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Mm -hmm. Well, Rob, if we finish this chapter today, we're going to have to hurry and uh, so let's uh, look at this uh, for, for a moment of time. He said in verse 11, Speak not evil one of another brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother judges his brother. Speaking evil of the law, judge the law. But if you judge the law, thou art, a, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. So watch mm. what he said here. He said, don't speak evil. By ne- neglecting to learn all the facts about a situation, by failing to speak to an, uh, uh, sp- uh, by failing to speak to an accused person about a problem, and by slandering him or her, will set aside God's law of love for you. Mm. This is what he's saying here. We need to have all the facts before we're going to make a judgment. Let me let me just deal with that real quickly here. Go to Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew chapter number 7, and we're going to start in verse number 1, and maybe folks that are listening to this will take a big deep breath here because getting out from under condemnation. A lot of times when you're making a decision that goes against somebody's idea, they have a tendency to look at you and say, you're judging, you're judging. And you know what the Bible says, don't judge. Well, let's see what it says. Matthew chapter seven and verse one, he said, judge not that you be not judged for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. What measurement you made, it shall be measured to you again. Why behold the mope that is in thy brother's eye and consider not the beam that is in thine own eye. Or how will thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mold out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in your own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of your own eye. Thou shalt see clearly to cast the mold out of your brother's eye. Now, verse 5, that's interpreted most of the time. A beam is a big stick of wood, mm-hmm. and a mold is just a little bit of tiny dust. So he said, you get the big stuff out of your eye, then you'll probably not even find the mope that's in your brother's eye or the small stuff there. But go back to verse 1, judge not. If you notice there, there's a comma that follows that. Judge not that you be not judged. It's not a sin to judge. Mm -hmm. It's not a sin to judge. That's not what it's saying. Judge not or you're going to go to hell. That ain't what it says at all. Judge not that you be not judged. Look at verse 20 for a moment of time in that chapter. He said, uh, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. I've heard a lot of people say, well, I'm not a judge. I'm a fruit inspector. Well, actually, there's no difference in a fruit inspector and a judge because every one of us is judgmental mm-hmm. in our thinking. But the scripture said, judge not that you be not judged. What's he saying? For what judgment you judge with, you're going to be judged. It's old saying, and it came from this scripture right here. What goes around comes around. Mm-hmm. Whatever standard I set up to judge you by, hang on. It's coming home to me. Yeah. 
I'm going to be judged by that same standard. Yeah, it's not, so, it's not karma. It's actually biblical. It's it not is. Some that's right. Eastern ideology. It's a biblical. It thing. is a biblical thing. Whatever standard of judgment I judge mm-hmm. people by, I'm going to be judged by that same standard because yes. I set that. And just put it down. If you gripe and complain about everything everybody does, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just a gripe, then don't get upset. When somebody gripes and complains about what you do, mm-hmm. you started it. Yeah. You're the one that set the standard of judgment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you put somebody down all the time to make you look big, hang around. That's coming home to you. Yeah. You know, I've said this a lot of times. I remember a case in our life where a family come to visit us and they had kids they couldn't control. And the kids rode the back of the couch. They marked on the bathroom wall. They just, oh, man. And they, they wasn't there very long, but it seemed mm-hmm. like two weeks. Yeah. And finally, when they left, my wife, Peggy, closed the door, leaned up against the door, and she said, if I had kids like that, I'd smother them. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't long till we had kids. Yeah. And it was a different story. Yeah. Kids are going to do certain mm-hmm. things, and you have to have boundaries for them. And yeah. And uh, you be the parent, not let them be the boss, where you can guide them so they can function in society. But sometimes we place judgment out there without realizing that that thing's coming home. Yes. It's coming back to us. So the scripture didn't say you go to hell for judging. Every one of us is judgmental. Mm -hmm. We have judgmental ideas we're very uh, judgmental. I've learned something. Most people will criticize things they don't understand. Yeah. They'll criticize things they don't understand. And then when it comes home and you understand a little bit more, the judgment is not as severe. Yes. Because we're a little more lenient because we have experienced that. Just <laughs> wanted to detour there yeah. and point that factor yeah. out in the Word of God. So... He said, if you speak evil of one another and uh, speak evil about your brother, he said, you're setting the law of God's love aside for you Mm. at that point. You don't have to speak evil of Mm -hmm. someone. Now, if you're addressing somebody's sin, you're addressing somebody according to the word of God, that is not under the law of judgment at Mm -hmm. all. It's, It's a type of trying to correct and and the scripture is given it's given for us for correction in righteousness and uh, that's in the book of uh, second timothy chapter 3 and uh, verse number 16 for all scriptures given by the inspiration of god and is profitable it's not a judgment it is a correction and profitable for doctrine reproof for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So the scripture is given for us to profit from it, straighten our wrongs up, get us in line with what God expects out of us. So that's not a judgment deal. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're just uh, slandering someone and you don't... uh, because you don't particularly like what they are and who they are, 
then that's slander. Yeah. That is. That's a wrongdoing there. But if you're taking the word of God in love, mm-hmm. I've been through this thing a lot, and I've seen a lot of pulpits used like a whipping post. Yeah. And you could tell that who was ever in the pulpit was just mad yeah. about something. And most of the time, they didn't have any Bible to back it up. Yeah. None whatsoever. That's not what this is talking about. Mm-hmm. It's talking about you presenting the word of God as correction. Uh, you know, I, let me say this, especially for the preachers that's listening out there and listen to me well. If you feel like there's somebody in error, you feel like there's a problem out there that you need to address, you don't have to get in the pulpit and call churches by name and people by name. If you want to combat false doctrine, all you have to do is just preach the truth. Yeah. You don't have to say anything and call people out, well, no. they believe this and I don't believe that. You don't have to do that. No. Be smart with it. Just take the word of God and present the truth, and it will combat false doctrine. Yeah, 2 Timothy 4, 2, preach the word, be instant in season yes. and out of season. season. Repro- reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. That's right. Right? So word and patience, word and love. That's right. And it's if it got to be there. If it doesn't come from that, then... Uh, it's it's just knowledge in your head That's that you're right. going to use to beat people up with. Yes, and if you just feel like that there's an air out there for some reason, you don't have to beat people over the head and make yourself look big. I'm right and everybody's wrong. Yeah. You just hang on. That'll come home to yes, you. it will. It will come back to you. But all you have to do is just preach the truth. Just mm-hmm. get up there and preach the word of yes. God. Yes. That's all God expects us to do. If you're a teacher... Get up there and teach the Word of God. I remember I sitting in a Sunday school class a few years ago in another state, and I don't know what the Sunday school teacher had going on. I didn't ask, but she kept looking at me and say, they ain't, nobody can tell me different. Nobody can tell me different about this. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'll bet they can't. <laughs> I'll just bet they can't. And uh, my wife kept punching me in the side and whispering, say something. I'd say, no. And she said, say something. I said, no. And this lady kept on and she'd say, I don't care what anybody says. Mm-hmm. And she'd look right at me when she said that. And finally, after class was over, Peggy said, why didn't you say something? I said, well, if I had it, we'd have still been there. Mm-hmm. But I said, she's had her turn. I'll have my turn the rest of the week. That's right. I'll just print, present the gospel without calling names, without anything, uh, you know, pointing fingers at anybody. Mm-hmm. Just preach the, the truth. Preach the word. Yeah. That's what we're called to do is just preach the word. And But verse 12 said, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy who are thou that judgest another? God holds that office as the one lawgiver. Mm. As the one lawgiver there, God holds that particular office. God's going to be our judge right now. He's our savior. Mm-hmm. But we're going to stand before the Lord someday. And the Bible said, according to Second Corinthians 5 and 10, we're going to give account. 
for all that we've done in the body, whether it's good or bad. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know about other people, but that's a sobering thought to me. Yes. Standing before God and my life being revealed as what I've done in the good Mm -hmm. and what I have done in the bad. That's a sobering thought to me. And I hope and pray that my good sure outweighs the bad. And uh, we're going to give account for that. And I think that's such a sobering thing that people need to understand. And I know, Rob, in the church world, in the Christian world, I've seen people that are just mean-spirited. Yeah, I mean just mean-spirited. And they've got this preconceived idea that before they die, they're just going to pray, Lord, forgive me of all my wrong and everything's going to be fine. Well, repentance before God, but we're still going to give account for what we've done in the body, whether it's good or bad. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give account for what we've done in the body, whether it's good or bad. He said all are going to stand there. Now, that's not white throne of judgment at all. Mm -hmm. That's not what that's speaking about. And we may do a podcast on that sometime. But the fact is we're responsible for the word of God. Mm-hmm. We are responsible for taking the word of God, whether you're a called pulpit preacher or just a saint of God, we have a calling on our life to present the gospel to those that have not heard it, yes. to those that need to see it, yes. for those that are lost without God. And that responsibility is overwhelming. It's very great. And so, you know, we just need to understand that God has placed a lot of responsibility on us. Rob, I think we're going to close right here this podcast and still not done with chapter 4, but we can start in verse 13 next week because we're going to be talking about how our life counts, what our life is all about here, and how fast it passes by. And so, you know, just leaving a thought with people here Submit yourself to God. Mm-hmm. I mean, give all you have. Make him Lord of your life. Yeah. There's a difference <laughs> in making him Lord of your life and making him God of your life. Yeah. When you, you know, ex, what is it? Exodus 20 and verse 3, thou shalt have no other gods, G-O-D-S, plural. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Anything that is worshipped is a God. But Mm -hmm. Ephesians 4, verse 1, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Lord means ownership. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that know him as God, but you have to put him as Lord God of your life. And that means surrendering your free will to him. Mm -hmm. Whatever you say, Lord, I want to do. Whatever you ask me, I want to perform what you ask me. I'm going to make you Lord of my life life. Amen. Amen. Good work today, Brother Dean. We hope that you were encouraged by this today. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in and y'all have a great rest of your week. Thank you guys for tuning into the podcast this week. We pray it was a blessing to you. We pray that it encouraged you, that you were elevated in the word. Don't forget to check out Dean Caldwell Ministries on Facebook to keep up with all things that Brother Dean uh, is doing. You guys have a great rest of your week and God bless.